the key thing that I see, the ones that are so successful, it stems from the team. Team is everything. If you don't have your team, um, and I'm talking having like superstar players within your team, there's no way. You can have a great business idea, but if you don't have the right people to build it and move it forward, you're not going anywhere. You're literally a, pa- a person that's waiting at the bus stop and the bus is not coming. <laughs> Right, what's going on everybody and welcome to 1000 Voices where we are on a mission to interview 1000 black British changemakers. If you're watching on YouTube, you probably see that we got new visuals, new studio, new energy, new vim. We're leveling up. Uh, we're trying to level up anyways and we hope you enjoy the new settings and all of that. Now today we've got another very, very wonderful guest in the building who's coming to drop a million gems, who's going to teach us all a hell of a lot of stuff when it comes to uh, entrepreneurship, raising money, capital, VC, angel investing. It's uh, investing and raising capital and entrepreneurship class 101, basically. <laughs> We're about to get over <laughs> here. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our wonderful, amazing guest, Miss Abby Mahabid, onto the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hi, I'm Abby Mohammed. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, I'll do a quick intro. Yeah. So, I, it's hard to actually define my title. So I say I do all things early stage. I'm currently at Technation. So if you don't know, Technation is a organization where they support the best UK tech. Uh, entrepreneurs across the UK so not just in London but like you know companies in like Glasgow and like you know Dublin and all that jazz um and then it's different stages so the way you see it and maybe it's better just jump on the website and you can see everything that we do we do mainly like data programs uh, support on the visa we have a global talent visa if you're interested in that but I sit on programs where I support entrepreneurs and in the programs, you've got different stages. So you've got early stage, uh, which is normally like, you know, pre-seed, which means a company that just about to get money or they just basically they pass the ideation stage. Right. And mm. they are a business and they already, you know, proven their kind of like business plan. And now they're ready to scale. So you've got early stage, which hits, hits pre-seed to series A. So once you get to a funding stage, basically, then we've got programs for mid-stage, so companies past Series A funding stage, and they're quite different because now those are the ones that you probably will see and hear about and stuff like that. And then you've got the big names, like the late stage, which are the companies such as, you know, Dark Trace, uh, Monzo, um, so many incredible ones. Um, uh, they are basically getting ready to IPO or, you know, be acquired and so forth. So mm. I sit on early stage uh, at Technation. Yeah, that's sick. Thank you for that. Thank you. If somebody asked you to like define yourself or say who is Abby without saying what you do, mm-hmm. how would you answer that? Um, it's interesting. So everyone would call me a super connector. So yeah, definitely a super connector. Even before we start recording, you're like, oh yeah, I've got to talk, got to hook you up. With yeah, this person yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's do. because like I think the way my brain works, right? Like it's very like a map so there's like loads of dots and somehow the way my brain works and the way I process information is like connecting information to each other and because of that like you say something and it will be a trigger for me like oh that means that person likes this bit and this bit and then I know these people in the same space so yeah it's a weird thing I have like a 
CRM, CRM in my brain, basically, which is annoying, but useful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right, nice. Thank you for all of that intro and everything there. Now, to begin with, you've been in this sort of tech startup space for, well, from looking at your profile, it seems like pretty much forever, like for a pretty long time you've been in this sort of world. Yeah. Why do you do what you do? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So I've been in space coming up to six years, not in the role I am at now. Technician, I've been there coming just past three years, but in the startup tech space for about six years. Actually, if you're thinking about tech tech, where I started my career was when I decided to do... Um, so should I go all the way back kind of thing to yeah. make make a sense? Yeah, let's take it back. Um so undergrad did international relationship with economics. Um, after I graduated, I didn't do anything with it. Um, realized that I didn't want to get into politics. And the way I decided that was I had a great opportunity in the summer to go to Kenya and work for an NGO and be on the field. And I realized the world problems are a lot. Mm. And for me, especially in my early 20s, I was like, I'm not ready yet. I want to enjoy my life. I also want to make really quick money where I can just like go and, you know, fly out and buy stuff. So I went into retail. Um, after doing that for about two years, I decided to go back and, you know, say, okay, let me actually start my career now. Like everyone else was way ahead of me. Like you finish uni, you jump in the grad scheme. I didn't do any of that. I was mm. like, I'm having a completely a break. Um, saved enough money to even like you know go and get my master's so pay out one time and I had thank you Um, my master's was in information system management and the reason why I picked that is because I was like okay what do I actually enjoy and what I enjoy is coding so I've always coded since I was young Um, I did IT I did really well in college and it kind of like made me like I remembered it in my early 20s like oh this was something that I was really good at and you can do a career and no one really talks about how to become a software engineer so you google Mm. how do you become a software engineer and then google said get a master's I'm like okay I'll go and get a master's and then I should get a job and I didn't which was Mm. scary and then eventually I did it was in tech and I don't know about yourself and your story and I would love to understand it a little bit more but once you get especially an entry level into a career, right, um, no one really prepares you for that, mm. you know, environment. And I worked for government in the tech sector where it's mainly a male dominated space. Yeah. A lot of people much older and clearly you can see me. I'm a black woman, right? Um, yeah, it was very uncomfortable uh, to the point where I had to go and find my tribe mm. and yeah I was lucky enough to find my tribe and because of my tribe I was lucky enough to you know be exposed to the venture space and the startup space and do what I do basically so that's how I got into it yeah no that's that's really cool I think with a lot of people that are venturing into this corporate world a lot of black people that venture into the corporate world do find themselves depending on where they are Mm. in a position where they're one of the only ones there one of the few one of my friends works at a firm big firm um, it's probably got like a few thousand, like three thousand people, I think he said. And there's two people, two black people in the office, him and one oh other wow. person. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be in a company now where it's a lot more multicultural. 
Uh, but then there's still issues when you look at um, leadership positions and that's across the board, across all sorts of different sectors and that kind of thing, where when it comes to leadership, it becomes mm. more sort of whitewashed as you go up. But at an entry level, it might be diverse depending on the company. Some companies aren't. Mm-hmm. But then as you go up, then there's that lack of representation and diversity. 100%. Um, there's, it's, it's scary, but no one tells you that. Mm, mm. They're just like, oh, we're all here. Yeah. And you remember, you know, your black friends and like, you know, your other friends as well. Like, But then you are in your corporate world, right? And you don't see them. You're like, where are they? I'm sure we did the same thing, right? We're all in school chasing the grades chasing the universities, chasing those grad schemes. Um, and it's, it's weird because you see, when you enter those kind of corporate world, what happens, especially early on, is like you go in and you leave. Mm. Um, not enough people stay long enough. And then also the process to go from junior all the way to the seniorship leadership is a journey where everyone tells you it's a lifetime. Mm. And a mm. lifetime's a long time. Yep, one life, man. Yeah. One life. And that's why with a lot of firms, attrition rates for black staff is very high. Black staff are getting churned and churned, mm. then coming in and leaving a lot faster than other groups. I don't know what it is compared to other like um, ethnic groups, but I know definitely against white staff, mm-hmm. black staff, generally speaking across the industry, uh, leave. They don't stay for as long um, as other, other groups do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's quite interesting because with you in your profile, you co-founded a business again quite young. You're still young yourself. You seem like you've done quite a bit. You know, Thank you. <laughs> at young age, but, uh, no, not even quite a bit. Not even a condescending way. You've done a lot. You know, at quite a young age, and you co-founded this business a few years back. The yeah. I got the name here. The Community Growth Ventures. Yeah. So a few years back. So with that, can you start off by telling us what that was for mm-hmm. people that don't know what it was? And I'm also interested in hearing with the businesses that you and your team worked with. Did you see any commonalities between the businesses that were most successful in their endeavors, maybe in their structure or in the, the founders, their, what they were like, their personalities, etc.? 100%. Oh, my God. So Community Growth Ventures um, is a... So it's weird. So we are a business, right? We were, we, were, we was like bootstrapping a basically a angel firm. So I don't know if you know the term like an LLP. I'll explain it for people yeah. that might not know it. Go for it. I know it's a limited liable... Limited liability company. Yeah, sorry. It's like a... Yeah. yeah, my brain is fuzzy. It's been a long day. But yeah, so essentially what we did was we were a vehicle. So as a founder, you want basically um, some cash to scale. And scaling means maybe you need the money to hire talent and everything like that. And one thing that we noticed, especially... When we started it, um, my co-founders, um, Denzel, Emmanuel, Abigail, is black founders don't have the same privilege as some. N- saying that, there's loads of nuance in it, but majority of like the black founders that we met, they were building incredible stuff. And generally, when you jump in this startup world and you go through um, rounds of funding, um, there's different stages, as I said before, like pre-seed, Series A. And they say this is a journey to become a billion-dollar business. And you don't need to be a billion-dollar business to be successful, mm. by the way. But then this is like a typical venture scale. Mm. But then to enter this ladder before you get money from institutional funds, and these are like the venture capitalists and like, you know, um, big people that have money basically i'm trying to not use um big words in case people don't understand (laughs) by the way but i'm trying to uh people with money basically and that's a very complex how hard they get money and i'm happy to go into that but then 
before you get into that journey, you will need to build a business to a point where you have proven demand. And to do so, sometimes that costs money. Mm-hmm. And majority of the founders that I met um, don't have that money. But what happens is, on the flip side, people that are from a privileged background, so generally people that have parents that have been in the corporate world, like they come from money basically, they can easily go to their parents, hey, can I get 20K or 50K mm. to figure out maybe if this works? And they're like, sure, but can you go to your parents? Do you know an auntie that has 20K? Mm. It doesn't exist, right? So we started it and I feel like it's so long ago, 2017, I think we started it and it was different when we started. The idea was basically we came together, we had different skills. So Emmanuel had amazing like um, experience in the scale-up world from a marketing perspective. Denzel understand operation and finance. I came from tech, so I understood about building products, how to get to market fast, how to scale, how to build your infrastructure when you're scaling. And we said to ourselves, like, the reason why these founders need money is because of this expertise. Why can't we come in and provide this expertise? Mm. Um, but it gets more complex than that. So we started it on the basis where we will sh- um, exchange our expertise for equity, meaning a kind of like percentage into the business. Right. And that could be different percent and then it gets complicated and you need lawyers to figure out like the right type of equity that you want and yeah so long story short was when we met our first founder that we invested in uh we was not meant to invest we just was there to give them advice uh but the founders were so incredible and they didn't need expertise they just needed cash Mm. and we're like okay cool we give them cash and then that's how we started the business properly, <laughs> by investing in companies, basically. And we did that for a couple of years. We ended up investing in four companies, all doing incredibly well. Um, unfortunately, we decided to wind down because, again, we're now all in different stages of our lives. Uh, personally, for me, I love this space. so I'm still here. So if I feel something is interesting, maybe I will invest. But right now... I'm to try and develop myself, but I'm doing other things such as, you know, scaling companies from the inside. So I can basically connect you to, you know, angel um, investors. So these angel investors are usually the ones that do ticket sizes from like all the way from 1,000 to 25,000 or 50,000. Um, um, or if you need bigger checks because you're later on your stage, then I'll connect you to these institutional funds where they can give you money from like 250k all the way to 1 million or even more. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's uh, when you talk about the lack of access to finance, which mm-hmm. is quite interesting. There's you know, I don't know if you read that report, it came out a few years back now, I think 2019, 2020, 2021. I'm just throwing out every year, yeah, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. The black in British report black the extend ventures one that's the one yes 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 that's the exact one and it spoke about the main sort of issues that black founders are facing Mm -hmm. i can't remember the exact list but i remember the top two were one lack of access to finance and two was marketing and then finance they broke it down and nuanced it a bit more black Mm -hmm. founders might not trust banks etc but they don't essentially don't have access to Mm -hmm. that level of finance i was at a conference this week the black conference it was held by uh, shout out to Cephas Williams and Black British Network. So they held mm-hmm. a conference, a black conference this week. 
and there was loads of different panels and one there was one panel with female founders i think they came on yeah and mom was talking about how when she was trying to raise and she was talking to some people and they turned her down but they said uh why don't you go to your friends? Yeah. <laughs> Talk to your friends and family and raise mm-hmm. 100K. <laughs> Where do you find 100K? What? And I have a funny story because we basically was like, I remember our, was it our third one? The third, uh, cap- so the third company that we invested in to get into their round, we needed 100K. But we couldn't do the 400K. So you bring other people and you create this thing, um, where you can do the investment via an SB, uh, SPV, meaning once you collect it, instead of like messing up someone's cap table and having loads of different names and say showing the percentage is like wrapped into one. Um, but yeah, it's like, where do you get 100K? And mm. then where do you find those people? Because you need those big hitters as well in the 100K. So you need to probably find two or three that has 25K. But then do you have friends that have 25K? Just lying around, and yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, yeah. not all found uh, startups uh, are successful. There's still it's 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 a troop. Like ninety nine percent, like ninety nine or ninety seven ish, um, fail. Yes, high risk for sure. High risk. Yeah, in in a, this competitive raising environment, because I hear stories of uh, founders who are spending all day. They'll have a team, and then probably mm. got one person that's just dedicated to raising all day spending raising they're still struggling to raise Mm -hmm. in this competitive environment what can founders do to best set themselves apart from all these other people who are trying to raise as well oh that's a very very like broad question there's so many different factors and it depends on what kind of business you're building or we should say then where do they start first then where do they start so if i was a founder right how do you mean like what do you really have an idea or yeah they've got their let's say they've got their business they feel like they're in a stage where they're ready to start raising mm-hmm. um what's the best way to go about it so i would say 100 percent, your network is your net worth period so if you are building something and you're ready to raise even before you open that round right start connecting the uh, dots by meeting people going to those places so i I'm a big advocate of like, you know, early stage, like accelerator programs. And there's so many good ones, especially for black founders right now that you've got uh, Founder Vine and like, you know, the Barclays one and also Black Valley. And what they do, oh, I do like Black Valley. So Black Valley also supports you. So you have a business and they have uh, a kind of like peer to peer mentor. So you meet other cohorts, uh, cohort members that are doing the same thing. So you become friends. And you can support and be an accountability, but then also they do sessions where they bring incredible entrepreneurs from before uh, to come in and actually, you know, give gems. And at the end of the uh, program, I know they do um, uh, out of the call. I think one person wins a certain amount of grant, which is amazing. So mm. do that before you even raise. There's so many opportunity for free money, but again, it's. The biggest thing, yeah, for early founders that I found, unless you're in this ecosystem and in the, my echo chamber, you can't see it. It's so weird because before when I wasn't in it, didn't hear anything, You, I, I wouldn't know where to start. You Google and it doesn't really have a clear place to start. So it's like you need to find those hubs and the best places to get that kind of like door opening is to go through an accelerator program. But my biggest advice, please, please, please do not join. And again, saying that, like, I, I can't make people do what they want to do. It's your life, your choice. But I 
I am a big believer in, especially when you're building something that's brand new and it's still early, don't give away equity unless it's cash. So mm. when I say that our programs, I'm never going to promote them because I don't think they are that great. I haven't seen anyone that I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, where they um, invest, but they invest in services and that can't be equated to cash and they will take percentage which is harder to explain later on to an investor so if you have a um kind of like an organization that has invested in you not in cash but services how do you explain to an investor that is going to come in and probably get the same as percentage but they gave it through cash and then you like that other person hasn't because services is very like mm. It's a spectrum. Sometimes you might not even need the services. Mm. You probably have a an hour coaching. What does that mean? And you already have an X amount. Of, like I'm talking about like five to 10%. I've seen some wow. crazy numbers as well. Like I've seen someone give away um, up to like 35%. Of oh, the services? Yeah. Wow. So that. they act like a board, but they don't bring any value. Mm. So mm. How, And then you need you need this percentage to grow because as you are growing and you have to remember the life cycle, if you are going to become a venture scalable business, meaning you want to become an Uber, you want to become like, you know, those big names, you want to become like, who, who else? Yeah, Uber is a good example, Airbnb. You mm. want to get to that level of scale where you're international and doing that. That journey is not overnight. That journey mm. is over seven years, mm. seven to 10 years. And to do that, you will be constantly being pumped in money. So don't give it out at the beginning. What I would suggest is um, build something that proves what you're doing is needed in society. And it goes back to your business, right? What is the problem that you're solving? What's a core problem? And generally, you can theme it into three. Anything more than three um, is too much. You're being too broad right. and you're not going to be very focused. It's going to be very messy. And then you don't really, you, you're not really telling the story of like who your client and like the solution. So what, what key problem are you solving? And then what is your solution? And it should be something that saves you money, uh, um, saves time. Things that people be like, okay, the reason why you jump on an Uber is it saves you the time to call a black cab and try to figure out where you are, which mm. we was having an issue, remember, trying to find this building. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's like a pinpoint. It's like, I'm here. Mm. That's why you jump on Uber and you probably pay an extra premium price for it. That's what your business should be doing. And then once you have that, it's like you need to go out and see if someone's able to pay for it. If no one's paying for this business, then it's not a business, it's a hobby. Mm, mm. If you're not making money, that's not a business. End mm. of story, I don't yeah. care. And I've seen so many businesses are like, yeah, this and this and this. Unless you are building something that is scientific and it takes years and years of R&D um, because it's something that is a process, um, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But if you're building something that is like a SaaS, yeah, software as a service, or something that is like app related, if you don't, 
build that yourself now, especially with the abilities that you can get from Google, right? You can use loads of like no code stuff to do so. Yeah. Um, and then you are not able to even get one or two people to pay for your service then I'm sorry to tell you this. Maybe you should do something else. Yeah, the yeah. nicest possible way. So, so, some, something's wrong there. Yeah, something's uh, wrong there. Yeah. But it's quite, I like, I like what you said about with the founders having to hone down into some specific problems and not having 10, 20, 30, 40 problems you're trying to solve mm. with your one business. And I feel oftentimes founders, uh, especially those you know, visionary founders that love to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. You see so much. You've got your business. Yeah. You've got you. You started up. You're focused at the start and then like literally two days in oh i see a new problem or oh, i see this i see this i see this i see this and then you're just expanding you become convoluted it becomes mm-hmm. confusing the message becomes confusing and it's just the, the shit show long term um but it's important just to you know be have your your core problem that you're trying to solve mm-hmm. very simply stated um and then whatever your solution is to it like you said uber it's a convenience thing and mm-hmm. people will pay that little bit of extra 100 for the convenience it's way easier mm-hmm. than having to now held down a cab in the street or whatever oh my god yep you know so um yeah no, that's, that's very very key with you right now so you're at tech nation you're the early stage scale up expert, expert yeah that's the one yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> with that on that yeah so like in terms of early stage companies then this is like pre-seed i'm guessing pre-seed pre-series yeah. a kind of yeah pre-series a companies yeah okay so that those early stage companies basically you might not even have like a fully fledged you know uh, products like that you might have like a or what do you call it, like an MVP, a simple... Slightly past MVP. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. But they're very early stage companies, essentially, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, in your experience, do you feel sets apart than the most successful um, like, um, early stage companies? Like, you know, you've got, like, you mentioned the Airbnb, mm-hmm. the Uber, etc. They're like, you know, once in a generation type companies. What is it? If you were looking at a company now, advising a company, analyzing a company, mm-hmm. what would it be about that company or the founding team that would make you think, oh, that might be the next Uber or the next Airbnb. 100%. And I always think about this. And again, I just want to like state that investing and supporting like early stage, you don't know who the winner is. It's, there's no there's no real science. There's there's a path. And now with like what we do, especially at Tech Nation, and I want to say like within the early stage, um, I'm very focused on supporting underrepresented founders. So I run a program called the Libra Program within it so i support companies with at least one person that self-identified as either black south asian um east asian and arab um because i very big believer that diversity as um as a whole especially people that sit in different intersectionality on the founding team is important because then you have interesting conversation you don't want to have the same people in your founding team that has the same thought process because once you get to a point where there's a problem you're all looking at each other like i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know you need someone that is able to t- think differently so i think the key thing that i see the ones that are so successful it stems from the team team is everything if you don't have your team um and i'm talking having like superstar players within your team there's no way you can have a great business idea but if you don't have the right people to build it and move it forward, 
you're not going anywhere. You're literally a pa- a person that's waiting at the bus stop and the bus is not coming mm. because someone decided to not look at the bus stop and it says like as our service. Like you're all mm. confused <laughs> in the <laughs> nicest possible way. So I think team is everything, especially early stage. I think that's the key kind of thing. Like, oh yeah. It's like going back to the first company that we invested in. Um, and the first one was um, in Afrocentrics. I don't know if you know them. Yeah. So yeah. their hair care, um, t- especially for like, you know, coily and curly hair. Um, they do like a range of like shampoos, conditioners, everything that you need, like in your house. Really good quality, really does a difference in the hair. Um, like they were incredible because the founding team, especially the, c- the two co-founders at the time, like incredibly smart. Like there's two co-founders, right? And literally, both of them are left brain and the other one's right brain. Like, they do different things. So they're an expert in their different domains, but they do, like, one person's more strong in finance and one person more strong in, like, operation and marketing. So they can, like, split the core of responsibility because when you're building something early on, it's, like, you don't have anyone. You only have each other. Mm. So the best thing is, like, when you're building something, like, if I'm technical... Okay, I will get the tech side done. I need someone that does marketing. So I will get someone that is marketing and then maybe a bigger picture is like, who else is really good at early? So you need, I don't think you need a technical co-founder these days. Um, I think I was going to ask that. I always, pe- yeah. that's always the thing you hear people saying, I need a tech co-founder. You don't. I, mm. I think, especially the business that I see, especially from our communities, um, you can use so many no codes and i'm so sorry if you don't know how to use those platforms Mm. it's Mm. so easy because there's like manuals like literally it's plug and play like pull this and drop it there and you don't need to write one line of code and i've written code by the way um it's not that complicated so you don't even need to understand code to build something to just test the market because what you're trying to do especially early on is to test it are you able to get a customer and once you get a customer that's when you go to find angel investors and say hey look i have this great um business i've already built something Mm. and i already got x amount people paying for it i need to make it bigger like, I need to scale this, meaning I now need to get off this no-code side and actually build the infrastructure. I'm very big on, like, especially because coming from a uh, tech background, and this is what we used to do when I was building um, products in government. Before building it using real code, we actually use no-code right. to mm. test, okay, to test our assumption. Okay, cool we are now moving away from a um paper way of like you know applying for something and digitalizing it but then how is that user journey in a digital world we don't know yet so let's create something and see how people are moving through the website do because on paper it's very simple you have the first page second page when you get on the computer you can go so many different movements it needs different automation and you might be building something and realize that, no, because you're now doing it by the computer, you're going to be doing it differently. Like, mm. So you need to test that. And then once you get that journey right and the person goes from A to B correctly and does it a couple of times, that's when you 
build a whole infrastructure and then you build your um, kind of security layers and like all the bells and whistles. Don't do that at the beginning. Oh my God, the amount of stories mm. I, I remember and my co-founders uh, will <laughs> back me on this, honestly, when we uh, sourced uh, companies, because we don't just invest in one company, we're like, yeah, that's it. We sourced so many co companies, so many. So I've seen every idea at least three or four times when people come they're like yeah i'm gonna be building the next like you know fitness app and i'm like mm. yeah i know <laughs> x y and z did that and they failed because of this and so and so did that and da, 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 da. yeah i've seen it all because again mm. remember i've been here for six years and everyone comes it's like yeah this is the most unique idea no it's it's not i don't think there is unique idea unless you're doing something incredible like you know creating the covid vaccine that's that's so unique and creative yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a strong believer that a lot of the value isn't necessarily even in the idea it's in the execution of the exactly, idea exactly yeah yeah god there's plenty of good ideas out there there's plenty of people who have taken just like the businesses that are in uh, industries that are very very well established mm -hmm. already and someone else just come over and executed way better and it's grown and become you know an mm -hmm. industry leading whatever sector that is so yeah definitely the idea is only five percent of it really like it's 100%. more so the like you said the team the execution of the idea your strategy how you take it to market how mm -hmm. you scale how you operationalize everything how you grow etc 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 all of those things provide way more value than just the idea in of itself I'm yeah massive believer in that again there's so many ideas right so a good example is monster and then just because monster did it doesn't mean that's the right way of executing it mm. so you have this like other challenging banks so monster is the same as Starling. If you look at the basis, they're all digital banks, right? Mm. Starling, you got Revolut. They're all different, but they do different things. So it is about execution and it is about like who can capture the most customers and can you actually retain the customer? I think that's the key thing. And also going back to the point where like what is a, like what do you should you consider when you're building a early uh, business? Problem, solution and the market. Is the market size big enough where it is, is attractive and it can be scalable? And is that market growing as well? But yeah, carry on, sorry. No, that's, that's, <laughs> I want to make good. sure people know that. That's, that's, that's all good. Tell, tell us, man, it's good. So mm. um, back on the Extend VC, uh, what's the word? Report. Report, yeah. So I'll read this out. Uh, between 2009 mm -hmm. and 2019, 0.24% of all VC funding went to black entrepreneurs and 0.02% went to black female entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Mad. And then I think even at 0.02%, I can't even write it down, but I think that equated to like two women or something. Two or three or something ridiculous like that. One. One, uh, I mean, even worse than I thought, one woman. One yeah? woman, Sharmadine Reed. My goodness, in a 10 years man. Yeah. Yeah, which is absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. Is it? Is there like something that black entrepreneurs or black founders are doing wrong or differently? Are they maybe not in the right spaces or is it maybe the way that, you know what I'm saying? What's what's happening there? Access, lack of access. There's corridors in this world that you can't see. Is it to Period. do the network, the network kind of piece? Yeah, it's network. So it's interesting. So if you want to hear more about, and I'll, I'll, I'll riff on this because I yes. actually recorded a kind of content uh, piece. It's called Libra Talks and you can find it on YouTube. Small plug, but then it is relevant to this conversation. So the people that were behind the report, Extend Ventures, I don't know if you know, who are the co-founders? So you no, got. I just read the report. So you got Erica and Tom. Um, uh, and so, 
I spoke to Erica, who's also an amazing founder herself. Like, she runs Cami. Um, and we spoke about, like, what was going on. And by the way, the ecosystem has gone better. And that report is quite outdated because we've seen incredible black women now raise funds, right? We have mm. seen, like, the Afrocentrics. Um, you've got Freda, you've got Oja. Have they raised, like, VC funding? VC funding now. Okay. Yeah. Ruka Hair, mm. my faves. Um, there's so many have done so the 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 climate is getting better there's still room for improvement we shouldn't be like oh yeah we solved the world like okay stop funneling money there no carry on because it's important because they're still early on and they haven't even started their journey mm. <laughs> remember it's seven to ten years your year two you're still you got so many years left if you want to go to right right mm. to the end right going back to um the report right and the libra talks um we spoke about this and it's like the key issue is access to capital, access to commercial opportunity, access to network. Those three things. And it says it in like the report itself is it. The report shows like how dire the ecosystem is, especially if you are a person of color. Right. A person of color is, by the way, American term. So if you mm. are a from a darker skin tone. And we can talk about colorism as well, which I'm so into. Um, right, we need another, another hour for that. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is. Ha, ha. Listen, my my thesis um, was about perception and first impressions, everything, and especially if mm. you are, uh, if you are from a certain background and you've been fe- fed a certain type of information again and again, you're already building a bias. Um, and a kind of like view of a person before you even blinked. Like you blinked, it's like, uh, I think it's 100 milliseconds. I already got a perception on you Mm. because of all my life experience and my lived experience. So this is what (laughs) black founders are dealing with. So when black founders go into the rooms, right, these people that actually have the money don't understand them because they don't come from the same background. When I talk about background, you didn't come from like the Cambridge alumni and Oxford alumni. Mm. You're not friends with Steve. Like mm. you wasn't there in their cookouts, right? So they don't know you. And remember when you're building business and you're asking money, it's a people's game. People buy from people, period. Yeah. And that's what happened, especially during that period. It was founders trying to build something incredible but not knowing or not on having like the blueprint on like how to do it because again it was the lack of access network a lot of like this like you know the documentation of like you know the playbook of how to scale it wasn't available on google mm. you didn't know because i think like social media was still quite new like it's still still new right like i think yeah so the, the information was in there so that's the problem what happened and it's sad to see it and Honestly, um, to solve the problem, it goes back to the report, and I respect the report a lot, is if you want to see black people succeed, give them access to capital. When I say capital, give them money. Mm. Give them commercial opportunity. Commercial opportunity equals revenue. Revenue means growing and scaling your company. Giving them access to network, being able to be in the rooms and like allowing to network to with the right people to get to the next point. And it's beyond that, right? So when you're scaling, especially, um, the UK market is small. So if you want to be global, you need to go to like 
the other markets when I'm talking about other markets like the US, Singapore, mm, mm. Uh, Europe. How how do you get there? You need to mm. know someone that can help you connect the stars. You need to find a super connector, right? Mm. So they can do the intros. So when you are a founder, you're like, okay, I'm gonna land and expand in Australia. You don't know the laws in Australia. You don't know the people, but then someone can give you that introduction so you can have the end. So you don't run around wasting money or like information to get to the point, right? To yeah. expand. So that's why I say about net- networks beyond going in a room and finding money because I've already said that give them access to capital network is a bigger play like solving things so you might hit a block and there could be a founder that has done it before that have solved that particular information that you should just like tap in and get that information and then you can like keep carrying on that's what I mean boils down to network my Mm -hmm. network is very very important and of course like you said people definitely buy from people some people got a lot of charisma and no business acumen like the FTX collapse no, no track mm-hmm. record. Um, <laughs> raising mm-hmm. whatever they're raising off charisma and people skills, basically. And their uh, friends have money. And their friends have money. They're part of that. They don't know what to maybe, do with it. Maybe part of that kind of mm-hmm. group. Like in the report as well, uh, I read the report a long time ago. So I only wrote down the stats on uh, how many black founders raised, but I read it some time ago and they were mm-hmm. talking about, I can't remember exact numbers, maybe 47 towards 50% or something like that, that raised come from the four elite universities, which was Oxford, Cambridge, mm-hmm. Harvard, and probably Stanford, probably, I don't, I don't know, and their respective business schools. So mm-hmm. it's like they're all coming from one particular pool. They're all mates, basically. 100%. From one particular pool, and then these black founders are not a part of that same network, then they're not getting the same kind of access. 100%. Uh, which is obviously a massive Those issue. universities have strong un- alumni and network, mm. hence why they're able to grow and scale. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. All right, let's uh, move on. A little bit mm-hmm. we, before we started recording, we were talking. You were saying some well, very little interesting little snippet talking about uh, venture capital and raising in Africa in particular. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in you as a person. What's your vision? What's your goal? What do you? What kind of a world do you want to see? Oh wow! And this is probably stems because I told you, like personally for me, the reason why I'm here is because I'm very very angry, and I'm not gonna lie right now i'm very calm and happy so Mm. i feel like it's gonna be a point in my time where i'm gonna leave this community space right that's what i call it being a super connector in the community space supporting entrepreneurs because now i feel like the world is fair and i'm talking about from like a perspective when you're scaling so i left tech um and I'm not going to share it so much detail because I probably will do it in the future. But in general, like I left tech because building something that only is created from one lens is a scary, scary thing. Mm. And I'm talking from a perspective in the future and like the powers that AI can have and stuff. And I'm very into like sci-fi, by the way. Love mm. a good dystopia Same. thing. Same. Love it. Yeah. So I want to leave the world a better place if I choose to bring children to this world, right? Mm. Um, and it's a scary thing that I actually said that because I'm like, I'm now thinking, do I even want children? Because you don't know if the world's going to be a good place for them. And when I say good place for them, is will the world be a good place for black people in general? So with these massive companies, and let's go back to the Uber, right? Uber are so big where they change society's behavior and perception so 
these scale companies, this is why I love doing early stage because then I can like, you know, influence and make sure we get diversity of thought because if you keep pumping out the same perspective and the way of looking at the world, you're building a society from one perspective and you're marginalizing a group of people. Right now, we see those marginalized people where they are trapped in this property, uh, property uh, uh, circles, kind of like the, mm. that kind of like property place. Like, um, and in dystopian films, you see people getting killed. Mm. Like, I'm talking about Black Mirror. Do you remember that episode? I don't know if you ever seen Black Mirror. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, do you remember the army episode when they were like going out the and they like shoot the enemies and then every time they saw them, the cockroaches. Yeah, the cockroaches. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. They're based off a newspaper article. Yeah. And those cockroaches were actually people. It's just yeah. because they weren't their people. They were the other. Mm. Going back to what's happening in the world right now with the war and everything like that. It's like if you, the world will be other. You're either in it or you're not in it. Mm. And especially when you're building a society from one lens, you're not really building it for us right now, right? Mm. Mm. That's why it's so important and the work that I do is like, I want it funnel out. So you are, when people are creating this tech uh, business that they are thinking about us. And mm-hmm. a good example is Facebook. No one knew. And I feel like, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg is a bit delusional. He didn't know Cambridge Analytics was gonna happen like years and years after Facebook. I'm sure mm-hmm. he, unless you're really evil, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? I, mm. Yeah, so, but then, because he didn't build consciously about how it could affect certain groups of people, ca- people uh, Cambridge Analytica was able to take advantage and then you know use it mm. for their own you know evils and all that jazz. And it goes back to tech and you know protection of IP and security. It's like there are some evil human beings out there. And they will take advantage, and whatever you're building will weaponize that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I forgot the question and how we got here. By no, the way, it's, it's all good. You said, um, <laughs> what kind of a world do you envision, basically? And you a said, you said everyone. Yeah. You said, you said some some deep stuff there, man. Like especially when you're talking about if you choose to bring children to this world, do you even want to with the world as it is? I heard a mad story with somebody told me somebody told a friend of a friend basically mm. told them that uh, I think they were pregnant and. They weren't sure whether they wanted to keep the child. This wasn't long after George Floyd because it, what kind of a world they're bringing their child into. Oh it's my mad. God. Yeah, I know. It's a mad thought, man. It's, um, it's mad for yeah, yeah, for real. But, you know, yeah, that's that. Uh, we got to wrap up in a... Well, very soon. We got to okay, wrap cool. up, man. So as we're preparing to wrap up, mm-hmm. uh, final question for you. What's next for you in your life? Um, I have a couple of things coming. Fingers crossed. If God says so, then I will do that. But in general, like, I'm hoping to be in this space. I don't know. Maybe join a company. I never envision myself starting a business. I'm not a kind of CEO, but kind of, like, visionary person. I'm a doer and a builder by nature. So I don't know. I'm very open to any opportunities or anything cool. Um, I'm very big on, like, right now, yes, I'm supporting entrepreneurs, but I'm moving away from it, especially, like, towards coming up to end of 2023 and working more towards policies and stuff, hopefully. 
Perfect. All Thank right. You. Thank you. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having man. me. Uh, that was a lot, man. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good, man. Lots jam-packed, man. I have a lot of good stuff. So thank you for coming to the podcast once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we're wrapping up, if people want to keep up to date with yourself, maybe with Technation and just whatever you're working on, how can they best do so? And also, have you got anything you want to say in closing? Yeah, so I think the easiest thing is like I am a Twitter person, so I try to tweet um, as much as possible about like what I'm doing and stuff like that. But I did start doing TikTok, so it's Team Abby, I think. Oh wait, no, it's Abby Mohammed, two I, so A B double I underscore Mohammed, I think you'll find me. <laughs> and I do uh, videos, so if you want to like, follow me to conferences or see what fun stuff that I'm doing in the start, well, it is actually quite fun, by the way. So I try to like encourage people that way. If you're wanting to come in, you could get a glimpse of my day to day kind of thing. Um, and then also, if you want to see the companies I'm supporting and running, so the program at Tech Nation is called Tech, uh, Tech Nation Libra Program. You can go on the website and you can see the current cohort. Uh, we're about to close, so we opened the program back in September, and we are closing the program in March, and hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe opening another program. So we've done two cohorts so far. Nice, nice. Yeah. Watch this space for the third Thank cohort you. then. Fingers so, crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed for sure, man. And um, I'll definitely want to follow you on your conferences. So I'll check out your TikTok <laughs> page as well. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. Thank you once again for coming to the podcast. Very much appreciated. Loved having you on here mm-hmm. and, and, and speaking with you this afternoon or this evening, actually. Thank you uh, so much. Honestly, it's been fun. Thank yeah. you. Uh, all good. And um, yeah, that's that. If you're listening into the podcast, please do subscribe like and share this as far and wide as you can it really does help us with the work we're doing ultimately like we said at the start the goal of the podcast is to interview 1000 black british change makers we're working towards inspiring a generation of change makers and um slowly working towards eradicating racial wealth inequalities in the uk so that's a long-term goal anything you can do to support really does help so please do like subscribe and send this to all your friends and get them to like subscribe and share it to all their friends as well but that's that for now thank you for tuning in this is 1000 voices we had the lovely abby mohammed on the podcast and for now people we're out